It's going to be a wonderful day. Um, we are Pentecostal, which means that you can uh, experience the goodness of God right now while you're alive. Uh, God has come to give us eternal life, and that day starts the day that you receive him into your life. The, the song that you heard kind of introducing the sermon today is the title of my message, Gotta Get You Into My Life. Now, some of you young folks might have thought that that was sung only by earth, wind, and fire. But some of you that have a few miles on you know that the Beatles originally sang that song. And I'm sure that they were singing it as men to some lady in their life. I got to get you into my life. But you know, when I heard that song, I thought, you know what? That's me. God, I've got to get you into my life. Now, if you're not familiar with that song, that's okay. But the song goes like this. I got to get you into my life. Got to get you into life, my life, into my life. That's about 90% of the song, as most songs are. But then one of the verses says, I was alone, and I took a ride. I didn't know what I would find there. Anybody been in that car before? But it goes on to say, another road where maybe I could see another sign there. Ooh, then I suddenly see you. Ooh, emphasis on ooh. And I did, I tell you that I need you. Now this morning, our ushers are going to pass out a sheet of paper as quickly and as we already did. Everybody got a piece of paper? Oh, they're good. Now this morning, you don't have to have a piece of paper. You can do it in your head, but please play along. I want you to take out that sheet of paper and you can see that it has no answers on it at this point. You know that as we go through life, a lot of times we're in a culture, and it's amazing how Lisa kind of just set this sermon up during the time of our worship. And boy, wasn't that great worship? I mean, you heard a sermon if you just read the songs that we were singing today. But, but as you know that the culture that we live in, there, there's something about people that are, that'll start leaning, leaning, leaning to the negative. And what they really begin, we all begin to kind of live in the soup that either we're entering into a storm into our life or we're already in a storm or we're just coming out of a storm. But this morning, I want to go a little bit to the other end and realize and help you realize and help John realize as I preach this again and again to myself that when Jesus came, he said, I've come give you life to the full. But guys, that's not enough. I've come to give it to the overflow. See, a lot of times we say, you know, as long as I can have life, that's good enough for me. But God says, I want to give you so much. I know when it's overflowing, but I want to give you even more than you can hold so that you can give it to other people. That's good news. The good news of the gospel. This morning, if you have your sheet of paper, I want to kind of get you kind of getting in a track through the power of suggestion. Can, can you just write down one word? Now, I know you're going to be tempted, and if you're here and you're colorful and you want to, you know, write in color, you're going to write 15 words. One word, and I'm going to give you about 10 seconds. Could we have a little background music? Do we have background music? Okay. 
Okay. Now, this first one, this first question that I want you to think about. Now, think hard. You ever watch a movie and your wife goes, no, no, really watch it. And, you know, I really want you to think about an emotion that comes over you when I ask you this question. It's your first date with this person. If you can tell me where this song comes from later, not now, but later, I'll give you a bag of coffee. What, what movie? All right, anyway, anyway, get back on. It's your first date with this person. And you've wanted to go out with him or her. And it starts in 10 minutes, the date. Now, wait just a minute. If you're a guy, maybe you bought a new shirt. You got your best cologne on. You washed your car or truck for the first time in months. Huh? Combed your hair. Girls, I'm not for sure what you're going through, but you're dressing too and you're looking nice and you're thinking of all the different... Okay. What's one word? Write down on line number one. What is going through your mind? What's the emotion that you're feeling? There is no right or wrong answers. So don't think that I'm going to hook you in a minute and go, aha! No. Just one word. All right. Now that you've got that down, number two. Can anybody guess how many questions there are? Six. You've got six. All right. Number two, it's your last day of high school and you just arrived home. What's the one word that is going through your mind? You know, there's some people that write it down, then other people just got to shout it out, you know. Just write it down, write it down. What's the one word? Last day of high school and you just arrived home. Somebody's here going, I'm not even out of high school. How do I know that? <laughs> okay, question number three. A car dealership salesman just handed you keys to the new car you just purchased. You turn and you see that bad boy waiting on you in the parking lot. One word. Now we have a few more. So try to use the thesaurus. In other words, happy, sad, happy, sad. You know, try to use another word that's even more clarifying or more uh, expounds on your emotion for these next few. Number four, you have been just cleared by the hospital for you to take home your newborn child. Okay, number five. You get the call by the company you've wanted to work for to begin your new job on Monday. 
What's the one word? One word. Don't you love the background music? And the sixth and final question. This is Easter, and you're never going to forget that the pastor asked. All right, the music's off. <laughs> Number six, your wedding day. And the wedding march begins. And old mom stands up. Everybody stands up. What are you feeling at this moment? I don't know how to spell that, so to speak, but I get your emotion. Write it down. What is the one word? Now, this morning, the reason I want to do this is because sometimes we go to service and we miss the whole emotion behind, why do we do Easter? And so many times you look at something like this and it begins to make sense when you begin to think that Jesus came to give us abundant life. A lot of times we forget it, we, we let it go, we take it for granted. But here's my words on these. The first one, first date, is anticipation. How many said anticipation right there? Okay, the second one is the last day of high school. I said, freedom, you know, kind of like Braveheart, freedom, you know. Number three is a car dealership hands me the keys. What am enthusiastic, huh? This is where I started using a thesaurus. No, no, really, a thesaurus. Number four, if you have been cleared by the hospital, you first elated. Number five, you get the call of the company. You can begin on Monday. I'm eager. And number five, your wedding day. The wedding day begins tomorrow. Ecstatic. Static. Do you know what each one, look at those words, and if you didn't write them down, it's going to be a little bit harder, but if you can remember the words that you chose through each one of those six answers, I know that some of you put them in your circumstances, but here's what I want you to see. Each one of those experiences at that second, those minutes that were previous and the minutes that were just following, and sometimes they lasted a whole day, but a lot of times they didn't last over a week. They all have a common denominator. All of them have something in common, and that is hope. See, as believers, what we believe in is we believe that Jesus was the Son of God and is the Son of God. He came to earth, He died for us, and because of His death on the cross, that our sins could be forgiven. And then He went to the tomb, and on the third day he rose from the grave, and now we as believers believe that he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and I. Now how many know that that takes a lot of faith? Because we know that faith is being sure of the things we, certain of the things we do not see. We know that we cannot see, taste, touch, feel, all those things. The senses that so many times we yell, I want to see. I want to touch. I want, I want it to be right here so that I know. 
But see, as believers, we get to the point where we put our faith, our hope, in that what Jesus did for us and what we receive from him, that we will be able to spend eternity with him. Now, now listen to this. God loved us so much, the Bible says, that he gave us his only son. But sometimes we forget that he promised that he was going to give us his son, the Messiah, for hundreds of years. And all through the Old Testament, there were prophecies that several different people, prophets, would would speak, and here's the Messiah, and he's going to be this, and he's going to go through this, and he's going to do this. And do you realize that when Jesus showed up on the scene, that over 300, some people say 365, I love that number because it's one for every day, but 365 prophecies that Jesus was the Messiah, he would come, and Jesus walked right into that and fulfilled all of those. Now, why is that important? Because there's people here today that'll go, you know what? I, I just, I, I, I just, I just don't have faith. I want to see. So let me just interject this into the message this morning. 365 prophecies being fulfilled by one man. Do you know what the odds of that? I didn't either until I researched it. It's like, you know, one of those symbols that what in the world is that? It's to the power of, you know, where it's like unbelievable. No way. But when somebody puts an illustration to how the odds of that happening was, do you know that they said this? This is an illustration that just kind of, whoo, you know, your brain kind of, boop, boop, you know. And what they said is, if you covered the whole state of Texas in silver dollars, silver dollars, I'm talking from Texarkana down to Brown's, all the way over to El Paso, silver dollars, okay? But not just cover Texas, you cover it knee deep. And silver dollars, I'm talking Texas, I'm not saying Oklahoma. Come on, I'm saying Texas. All of Texas, all right, anyway. Knee deep, silver dollars. And somebody covered one silver dollar, they marked it, just marked it where it was almost unnoticeable. And they hid it somewhere in all of Texas. Everybody with me there? Now they took one person and they blindfolded him. And they put him in a helicopter. I'm going, and spun him around, dropped him off. He could walk as far as he wanted to with the blindfold on, and then reach down, he could go three feet, or let's say it's a foot knee deep, so about a foot deep, he could go one on top, whatever, and he chooses one silver dollar, and that's the one that was marked. That was the odds that one man could come and fulfill all of the prophecies spoken about him beforehand. But it still comes back to people going, I'm not real for sure. I I don't know that Jesus was the Messiah. You know, when when you hear that, it it almost seems crazy for somebody to come to the point of denying Jesus. But this is Easter. And, And when Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free, people went, What? Now, let me, let me explain this, because if you look in, in Isaiah chapter 43, now, now listen to this. 
Here is God speaking in the Old Testament about one of the things that the Messiah is going to do. And he says that, and he's talking about how the God, your personal God, is going to be able to change your life. And he says this, but now God's message, the God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the one who got you started Israel, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. Now, everybody knows what it, what it will be like if you redeem something, right? You got a coupon, a coupon. And, and it used to be more popular. My, my mother-in-law bought a whole dining room, or whole furniture set in her living room just by saving money on coupons. But if you take a coupon and you redeem it, you get something back. But you realize that that coupon that, that redeems whatever product, that that product was not free for the person that is giving it to you. It, it was a cost. And you and I are offered salvation. We're offered what Jesus came to give us free, but it cost him his life. He said, I've redeemed you. I've called your name, you're mine. When you're, when you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. Does anybody hear a little hope? Has anybody been over your head before? When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you've been between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. Because I am your God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Savior, listen to this, I paid a huge price for you. This morning, it is important for you to realize that when Jesus shows up on the scene and all of his disciples either were tortured, all of them were tortured, but one of them only survived, that all the other one died because of the name of Jesus in their life and what they witnessed. Have you ever thought that just for a minute that one of those disciples, if it was a fake or if something happened that was not right, that one of them would have said, whoa, 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 whoa. Not one of them ever denied Jesus and went, even though that they went to their death. And the question is, why would they do it? Because they actually witnessed, they actually saw Jesus. They walked with him, they talked with him, they saw the miracles. But here's the thing. He predicted his death resurrection and it happened now again when, when you think about going through life and so many times people speak into your life that we're in a storm and and if when you're in a storm if you've ever been there before and you needed a healing or you needed a relationship problem resolved between you and your wife or your husband or your mother or your children if you've ever been in a storm what you know is those times where you go just give me some hope. Because a person that doesn't have hope will slip into depression and anxiety and because of the fear of what could happen, they begin to go down and think, you know what, I have, I have, no, I have no purpose. But for a believer, and what I'm going to ask you in a few minutes is to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Because when you make a commitment to Jesus Christ, Jesus says, not only will I give you hope, 
that I'll be there to walk with you. Even when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, you can fear no evil. Well, why? Because he says, I'll be there with you. Now, this morning, I, I want to just take you real quick through the stories. And, and I've thought about, you know, on Easter Sunday morning, I just preaching the whole Bible, starting with Genesis, and but I'm not. I want, I want to take you through really just three stories. The first one is a story about the children of Israel and their years and years and years and years ago and, and, and the world is in a storm for them. Do you realize that it's always major when you're going through it and other people can look and go, it wasn't that bad. But for them, it was terrible. They, they were walking in fear because the enemy had come in and, and really stolen everything they had. See, we wonder, not today, this afternoon, what we're going to, if we're going to eat at all, but what we're going to eat and where we're going to eat, some of us. That's the biggest problem. They didn't have any food because the enemy was even taking their food. And the Bible says that there's this man, and his name is Gideon. And, and he's, he's scared because as soon as he gets done with this, you know, the grain that he's milling, that the enemy's going to come in and steal it. Some of you are in a storm today. And you feel like every time you take a step, the enemy comes in and takes it from you. And you almost start looking and expecting it. And the Word of God says this, that one day an angel, which it later says the Lord. So the angel shows up and he's, he, I just see him as cool. Why? Because he goes in and he sits under this tree and it, it, it says the tree of Oprah. Not Oprah Winfrey, but Oprah. And, and the Bible says that he sits under that and, and he looks at Gideon and he's scared. He's in the, the wine press and he's hiding trying to get his food all together before it's stolen. And the angel comes and kind of sits under the tree, oak tree, and says, Mighty man of God, you're a warrior. Has God ever just kind of spoken into your life and you go, that's not me? Uh, uh, that's not me. Gideon's response out of his mouth tells us where he was. He's in a storm. He said, if God is for us, why are we all going through this? I, I don't know what you're going through this Easter. A lot of you are going through things that you're yelling, please give me hope. And, and the angel, the Lord says to him, he says, you are the one that is going to bring deliverance of Israel. You're going to get an army. We're going to go. We're going to defeat them. And he goes, just like a lot of us, when the hope begins, we begin to go, I, I haven't had hope in so long. I, I can't even spell hope. That's what Gideon was doing. He's going, whoa, 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 whoa. He says, how in the world is that going to be? I, I'm the smallest in my family. My family's the smallest. My, my clan is the smallest. My tribe is the smallest. I live in the smallest place. My shoes are the smallest. He just wants to come up with some kind of excuse. I can't. I, 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 wait now. Do you know that my name is Gideon? We don't have any hope, Lord. If you read that in the book of Judges, it comes to the place 
where he says, how am I going to be in that place? That I could receive hope that I don't have to hide anymore. The enemy that had come into the land, the Midianites, it says they were almost too numerous to count. Can we just imagine could have been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of soldiers against Israel. Let's just picture the whole Texas motor sportsway down here full of soldiers. And Gideon says, how in the world are we going to do that? Now watch this. This is God, the creator of the universe. And the word comes and he says, because I'm going to be with you. I want you to hear that. How are we going to do that? See, later, the 30,000 that Gideon has isn't no match for, I think it seats 180,000 at the speedway. 30,000 to 180,000. Just let's picture that. But let's, let's take it another step. God pairs it down to 300 against 180,000. Each one of Gideon's soldiers even if they killed 10 apiece would not be enough to defeat the enemy. Are you with me? How am I going to be able to do that? Are you in that spot this Easter where you say, I don't have hope? There's no way. I don't even know about Him coming to give us life to the full, to the overflow. That, that's too much for me. And God says, the way that we're going to do that, ready? Ready? It's because I'm going to be with you. <laughs> Gideon's like, I went to Easter service at Pastor John's and he said that too, but can you help me? And I tell you, the way that you're going to get out of your storm this morning is because God promises that he will be with you. Okay, now that's a person that was like, uh, I don't know. And then he began to see it. And all of a sudden, he becomes what God says, a mighty man of war. He's a warrior. And the Bible says that he goes and the enemy begins to kill themselves because they're so fearful of the army of Gideon. Those 300 men chase them all the way to the river and then all the other soldiers in all of Israel pick up the pursuit and defeat the enemy. And, and then we look back as people that sit on 4101 Golden Triangle on Easter Sunday and we go, that, yeah, I've heard that story before. But what about me? God says, I'll be with you in the middle of the storm. I have come to give you life to the full, to the overflow. Now, let me tell you another very common story in the Bible. One day the army of God is lined up on one mountaintop and then the enemy is on the other mountaintop. But there's a big guy named Goliath that comes every morning and yells up accusations against the children of God. You guys are sissies. Come on down and fight me. You know, he's... he's tormenting them. And just like you and I, we get to Easter Sunday morning and we go, man, there is something that is just eating on me every morning and evening. 
And the Bible says that they're in fear because Goliath is hurling insults and saying, who is your warrior to come down? Because they're in agreement with God called a covenant that God was going to fight their battles and be God over any other circumstance. Even when you walk through the fire, I'll be there. But there's one little guy that's really not even a soldier and he shows up. Some people think he's a teenager. And sometimes, as teenagers do, you know, I've said many times, don't you wish you had all life's questions when you were a teenager? Because you had all life's answers, right? It's not until later you start going, I don't know if God's going to do... This teenager had faith. And he shows up, and listen to this. Everybody is trembling, but he goes to the king and says, I'll fight him. And really, if you read that, you'll find out what he's saying is, I'll fight him because God says he'll be with me. He was with me in the past when I fought a lion. You fought a lion? Yeah, God helped me defeat him. No, yeah. I fought this bear. No, <laughs> come on, a bear? Tell me about it. Don't got time. Got a giant out here. He says, you fought a bear? God was with me. Look at me. I'm nothing special, but with God I'm special. And so Saul, if you read it, he goes, go and may God be with you. David walks down into the valley, we know, and he gets the stones and he's ready to do business to this big guy that's an enemy, a storm. And what I love about it is that this enemy starts going, <laughs> why are you bringing dogs against me with sticks? And then he starts describing what he's going to do to David. I'm going to... And David doesn't even listen to him. He says, hey, I'm coming against you in the name of God. God's with me. He says this, and the reason is so that everybody here is going to be a witness. They didn't sign up, but they're going to witness that God is with me. And you going down. Some of you need to say that, even though at the moment you don't feel it, taste it, touch it. It's by faith. The Bible says it kind of this way, but I'm going to put it in John Miller's version. Goliath blinked once and died in the dark. Toast. David goes over, we know the story, it's pretty brutal. Cuts his head off with glass sword. That's always what I'm... You would think that David would have a, a sword or something, to, but he's thinking, no, no, there's going to be a free one in a minute. He cuts off the enemy's head, and, and you can imagine, everybody on Israel's side all of a sudden has faith. And everybody on the enemy's side begins to run in fear, just like in the place of Gideon. Gideon couldn't see it and had to be convinced, like a lot of us. But David goes in and he's already convinced. What I'm saying is I'm not judging you if you're right now where Gideon is or if you were or with David right here in your, let's go. But the most important thing is you come to the realization as quick as you can that God is with you.
that he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. Now, this is when Jesus arrives. He arrives on the scene and he's, you know, he's a baby. We, we, that'll be in Christmas, okay? We know that story. That's why we celebrate baby Jesus. But the good news is he grew into a man. He arrives. He goes around and he begins to do ministry. But listen to this. There's a day that comes and he goes to Nazareth where he's been brought up. And he goes into the temple and, and they offer him to read from the what we would say the Bible, but it, it's the scrolls of either the Pentateuch or, and the prophets. So he goes through and he gets to choose which passage that he's going to read. Now get this. He is all God, and he's all man. Emphasis right now on all man. Because everybody in there is going through one of the worst storms of their life, and it's the Roman occupation that tells them what they're going to pay for taxes and how they're going to do everything under the sun, the Romans. And he picks up this scroll, and he's going to reveal the good news. You could almost hear in heaven the drum roll starting. And he, he unrolls it and he says he finds the place that is written. You ready? He's looking and he's been waiting. I, I, can, I can imagine that he's waiting from the beginnings of the earth to do this moment. And he unrolls the scroll and he gets to the place. Here it is. Here it is. And it reads, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he is anointing me to proclaim good news to the poor. Don't, don't let this go by because some of you are in a storm right now and you go, God, God, I need a financial blessing. I got to get a breakthrough in my finances. What is the answer? The good news. Now, now watch this. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. See, a lot of people right now are wondering about, well, I'm not blind. I can see you, Pastor John. But are you blinded to the fact that God is right here with you today? It's your choice. He says, to set the oppressed free. Sometimes we are trying to find a square peg to fit into the round hole. We're trying everything that we can because of oppression that is on us to find something that's going to work. Is there a doctor that could prescribe us the medicine? Could we do this? Could we do that to find the answer? And Jesus says, I've come to set you free of that oppression. And then he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then, then like a boss, it's great. He's, he just rolls it back up. And he puts it over here down, and he says these words. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, if you know the story, they begin to question him. Isn't this Mary and Joseph's son, Jesus? Isn't he just a human? There's always something that goes off in our mind. Can he do what he says that he's going to do in our life? See, Jesus went on to open blinded eyes. He went on to raise people from the dead. Are you kidding me? 
He fed 5,000 men plus children and women for five loaves and two fishes. That wouldn't even feed me. He turned water into wine. He cast out demons. Do you know the demons even yelled out, Jesus! They recognized Him. And there's still people that were going, He's not the Messiah. He's not. But He also calmed the storms. I love the story of Peter and John, James, all, all, the, all the fishermen that are in the boat. I, I can see... You know, maybe Matthew, a tax collector, being scared, or, you know, James the less. Wouldn't you hate to be called James the less? Because there was James the greater. But, but the, all the disciples are in the boat, and, and the storm begins to blow, and Jesus is asleep. Are you, are you asleep, Jesus? There's a storm. They wake him up to say, are you not aware that we're drowning here? We're going down. Do you realize that they are fishermen? They know the difference between rough waters and today's our last day. When Jesus wakes up and he, he says, what? He says, you have little faith. When he gets up and says, peace, be still to the storm. The waves, the winds die down. And they begin to look at each other and go, what is this guy all about? See, they had seen miracles, but they, they kept missing the point that God is with me, even in the storm. Even in the middle of where I go, I, I need you, God. I, 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 know, I know what Pastor John says. I, I've read the Bible before, but when we get in the storm, we yell, if this is all happening, God, I thought you were with me. When we stop and believe, and we're reminded every Easter that God loved you so much that He says, I'm the answer. Well, you haven't even found out, God, what my question is. I don't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm the answer. And when we go through the storm, God overwhelmingly in my life has showed up and said, do you want the answer? And you're going to have to walk. You're going to have to get up. Believe by faith that I am with you. This morning, for my third story in the Bible, I want to show it to you because sometimes it is even more vivid when you see this. There's a man at the Pool of Bethesda. He's been here for 38 years. 38, 38 years is a long time. He's been at this place called the Pool of Bethesda. In the, in the Greek mythology, they thought, they thought, and they put their hope in something that was really worthless. They thought that an angel would come down and when the, stir the water with his finger, and when the first person that would get into the water the first, the first time, they would be healed. 
So just out of, they were looking for hope anywhere they could find it in this time. There wasn't doctors that could do that. There was no x-ray machines. There wasn't any miracle cure back then. And so they were at this pool of Bethesda and they're saying, oh, if I could just, when, when that water. When Jesus comes into the room, watch this. Yeah. Mm. I've watched that probably 10 times, and every time it moves me. He'd been there for 38 years. And there were so many excuses that came up. He didn't want false hope. But when Jesus looks in his eyes and says, all you need is me. This morning, somebody needs to hear that that's sitting here in this place. Because you've never really committed your life to Jesus Christ because you've, you don't want false hope again. You, you know that it, the Bible says this and you've heard that and you know this and, and maybe there's some people that have spoken in your life some mean things and done mean things and all that. But Jesus says, just believe. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? The Bible says that everyone... For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means every person here starts out. If we stay in that condition, there's a wage, a paycheck that's coming one day, and it says, for the wages of sin is death. I don't know about you, but if you're in that situation, you say, that's not much hope, Pastor. But the next part of that verse says, even though the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross for you and me. And that's why we celebrate Easter. Because we have hope that God offers us a gift to be saved. Our sins, the very thing that leads to death, now is a gift from God that gives us life. Our sins are forgiven. And you say, how in the world could that be, Pastor? Why would he do that? It says in the most famous verse in the scripture, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Later on in the gospel of 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Later on, John puts it this way in Revelations when Jesus says, I'm at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and be with you. It's almost too good that we think sometimes to be true and people can try to talk us out of it. But Jesus says this morning to you, all you need is me. This morning, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. I'm... I'm the pastor and I've got the microphone, but it would be wrong of me to try to make it any more difficult to do that than as simply as saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. 
forgive me of my sins, and God, I want you to be Lord and Savior over my life. And the Bible says that you'll be saved. This morning, if you're here, and maybe you've gone through a storm since you've made your commitment to Jesus Christ, and Maybe you've been into that place where you were in the boat and you said, Jesus, aren't you afraid? Aren't you seeing that I, I'm going down? And Jesus again says, all you need is me. I'm with you. Do you remember in Gideon's life when God says, I'll be with you? In David's life, he said, God is with me. This morning, can you believe that God can be with you? And he's come for a purpose to give you life to the full to the overflow, that you might be able to share the good news with somebody in your life, somebody that is desperate because out of oppression, they feel captive, and Jesus can come and set them free also. This morning, the good news of Easter is that even in the storm, that we can fear no evil because God is with us. This morning, would you just look at me? If this morning you made a commitment to Jesus Christ, I want you to tell somebody. And then I wanted you to tell somebody else. And here's the, here's the push that sometimes, and then tell somebody else. Because there's something about making a commitment and then making it public. Do you know the reason you're sitting here is because of the disciples making it public? And then who they told, they made it public to somebody else? And in my life, somebody told my great-grandparents, they told my, taught my grandparents, and they told my parents, who taught me that I taught my children, the good news that Jesus has come and he loves us so much that he died for us. I encourage you that made a commitment today to Jesus Christ also to follow his example in water baptismal baptism. And what we're going to do shortly, if you will, just stay attentive because we'll start announcing the time that we follow Jesus' example in water baptism. And that you can follow that example in, it's not a symbol, it's an actual thing of being laid down in water of your old life, but then again, following his example of resurrection into a new way of life. And I encourage you to do that. This morning, we are so thankful that you made the choice to be here because your eternity was affected. You know, we can sit around heaven one day, and if it's possible, I might even schedule a meeting. And can you imagine saying, do you remember 2022? You remember that day when, the, when all the things that happened, you know, we, we had the kids Easter egg hunt. Pastor Miller said, if you're driving a car, don't leave until all the kids are done. So my, my, yeah, I remember that. Do you remember the happy Easter sign back there on the coffee bar? Yeah, I remember that. The, the photo booth out back where we take pictures. And, yeah, I remember that. 
But someone's going to say, but I wouldn't be here without that Sunday. Because that Sunday is when I made my commitment to Jesus Christ. And that was the most important day of my life. We love you. And want you to know that you're invited back here every Sunday. And we love you very much. Would you stand with me? In a few minutes, I'll let you go outside and watch our children pick up Easter eggs, and it's just a fun time for them. You know as well as me that if we asked the same children to pick up all the trash in front of the yard, it would take them a month to, sun, you know. But if we say, there is chocolate in them there eggs, they'll pick that up in about two minutes or less. So if you would, as I said before, please don't leave because the car's moving kind of hesitant, you know, not very good for children with Easter eggs. So just wait a few minutes, laugh and watch. You know, you might want to pick one of the children. You know, that one's going to get the most right. Who knows? But I want you to take the good news with you this Easter. Say amen. amen. One, two, three, go get them. Go get the world. <laughs>